Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Welcome to Sawbones, marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host Justin McElroy, and I'm Sydney McElroy. What was that? What was that chair slap there? The chair the slap slapping is... the arms of the chair. That usually means it's time to go. That's what you do when it's time to get going. What, what do you mean when it's time to get going? That's the sig- That's the like signal. When we're out of the house, and I'm signaling time to return to the house. Everyone, I'm losing strength. This is a universal. Si- well, not universal. This is a cult. This is. Uh, there are other people who do this. This okay. is some subsection of culture that does this like, it's either like uh, slap the arms of the chair or you do the knee slap, well, and you say, well, 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 and that means either I got to go or you need to leave. <laughs> That's weird. That's weird, Sid. <laughs> it's time because... for you to offer like, oh, well, I guess I better get going. That's what, that's the expected reply. Well, and then the other that's person actually, says, well, I better get going. That's actually weird because a lot of times I'll do that and you'll act like you don't know that I'm ready to leave. <laughs> So it's oh, weird no, to I know, know that you. Oh, you know. Okay. I'm, I'm ignoring it because I don't want to leave. <laughs> oh, perfect. Hey, Sid, what's on the what's on the docket today on the Sawbones the Sawbones docket? Uh, I I already told you last week, so I'm just terribly disappointed that you've forgotten. I I know. I know. I'm, I'm setting people up. I know. Um, uh, last week we covered Draws and his many <laughs> forays into pseudoscience, and one of those was iridology, and I gave you a little uh, snippet, a little tidbit of the history of iridology, mm-hmm. and then we I thought, well, let's do a whole show on it that. Sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that is that is what I'm thanking. No, I don't want to thank Draws for anything. Thank me for... Thank you. Suggesting <laughs> it to me. So, thank Sydney of the past. Usually, Sydney of the past is doing no favors for Sydney of the future. <laughs> <laughs> but this one time. Um, so I mentioned, and let me say that, like, with a lot of these alternative medicine practices, it is common for there to be this claim of ancient roots, right? Like, this is something that's been practiced for thousands and thousands of years. You can't always find evidence of that. Of iridology. Or uh, just the evidence of the practice of being practiced for thousands of years. Yes, exactly. Like, okay. I I don't know that this, the iridology, is certainly as we understand it today— um, that you have that there's any ancient roots to that practice mm-hmm. because it involves such an intense inspection of the iris and like modern tools make that a lot easier. It would have been hard to examine the iris to the level of, you know, specificity that we can now. Sometimes you see this though in in um complementary alternative homeopathic medicine where it's building on an ancient 
concept with modern technology, as if to say, like, we have the best of both worlds. Like, this is a great idea, but now we really have the technology to get in there and look at that iris. Well, and they're, and they're really, like, so they talk about, like, the ancient Egyptians had these silver, like, engrave. What do you do in silver? Silver engrave? I don't know. Silver. Silver plating? Plate things. When what are it's, you doing? I don't know. Like, they have pictures of the eye in silver. Okay. Just like silver art. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, Sorry. as like so, see, they really got eyes. The eyes are important. Which, like, you could you can think eyes are important and not believe in iridology. Mm-hmm. I think, but like, yeah, the, I'm a big fan. There's that, and then there's like, and then there's ancient Tibetan medicine, which talks about how you can see liver disease in the eye, and it's like, well, I mean, okay, there's some like you can see jaundice. So, yes, but that's not iridology. Blood. So I don't have you can any. See, um, was it? What's the, like, red lines in the eye from when you've been, like, drinking or stuff like that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Those, you like, dilated blood vessels. Dilated blood vessels. Yeah. Blood vessels. yeah there, well, there's lots of stuff that you symptom. can. This is true. There's lots of stuff that you can see in the eye um, that aren't iridology, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, we don't use the eye as a diagnostic tool. Um, first of all, there can be things wrong with your eye. So, like, we have mm-hmm. doctors who... You look inside the do, eyes. And do that's, eyes. That's, that's their wild. thing. You know that little light that they're looking at where they look through the hole? They're looking inside your eyeball, folks. Did you know this? <laughs> I found this out when Sydney was in medical school. They're looking right inside mm-hmm. there. That's wild. Right to the back. Right hey, to the back of your eyeball. If you wild, say, hey, doc, let me spin that around you and take a look in your peepers while you got that out real quick. Because it is wild in there, folks. It is wild. But that's, I mean, we have doctors devoted to this. We have optometrists and we have ophthalmologists and they know all about the eye and can tell you all things that are wrong with your eye. And then, of course, there are signs of systemic diseases that we can also see in the eye. If you have high blood pressure for a long time, we can see changes in your eye. If you do have liver disease, obviously we can see changes. And then there are some things that are like classic, like they use them on house. So, you know, it's like, oh, that's a thing in medicine because we used it on an episode of house. Like you see the the gold rings in the eye and you're like, it's copper. That's Wilson's disease. Like, you know, I mean, like. And then Wilson's like, um, excuse me? <laughs> oh, no, not that Wilson. It's a different Wilson. The volleyball. The volleyball. <laughs> not the. And, we, you know, th- so there are all kinds of things. Like, hey, we can look at the size of your pupils and say, like, mm, you've been exposed to a certain kind of toxin. So there are lots of things we can tell from looking at your eyes. By the way, Wilson, they picked that because it sounds like Watson. Wow. How's your mind? Is it blown? Because I think so. Also, house. It's just like <laughs> it's just like that homes. one is lazy. That one is always Home, irritating me. Homes, uh, it's like that, but there's just one, <laughs> and it's more of a building. It's a ha- just house. It's a house. Just a house. And then you can build on that and be like apartment. Apartment. <laughs> what like Jeff Goldblum is apartments.com ad? Hi, I'm Jeff Apartment. Well, I mean, I'm instead a, of Sherlock Holmes Solner. and then Gregory House, I don't know what the next iteration is, but. Um, I'm just loose associating with house. My name's Kirk Tent. <laughs> I'm Kirk Tent, and I'm going to solve your your uh, wild animal mystery. Whatever's loose in here, Kirk Tent is going to get it out. I would totally watch that I show. Would watch I would watch Kirk Tent. Make that show, please. TM. <laughs> um, so anyway, like this is not what iridology is, though. None of this that I'm talking about is iridology. These okay. are all like real things. We wasted a lot of time. Well, I'm just saying, because the, the, to say like, well, of course you can tell things about a person's health from their eyes. Well, yeah, obviously we can. Um, 
But that's so iridology that we are talking about starts really in the 1800s. Um, there was, and I mentioned this on the Draws episode, there was this Hungarian physician, Ignaz Pesley, who, uh, by the way, was also a lover of homeopathy. So, and you see this with iridology. A lot of the practitioners of iridology, like a lot of other alternative medicines, like sort of overlap. They, they like a lot of them. So anyway, uh, uh, Pesley broke the leg of an owl when he was a child, mm. like accidentally. How did he break an owl's leg? I don't know. How I don't do have that information. I don't. Yeah. I don't know anything about this. Um, <laughs> but the owl's leg was broken. Is the point? The owl did survive because he went on to notice changes in the eye of the owl over time. So obviously, the owl was okay. Yeah, because how else would right. he have noticed these changes? And again, like I mentioned, I don't know if this story is is really how he got interested. This is supposedly his origin story. <laughs> Uh, he looked in the eye of this owl and he noticed a dark spot developed after it broke its leg and it healed. And he thought, well, there must be a connection. There must be more we can learn about health because there's a change in the eye from a broken leg. In an owl. In an owl. <laughs> there, as, as often happens, around the same time, there was another physician who had sort of his own like accidental... His own, his own, his own <laughs> twisted, skewed view on this. He, I this like one, to bring a little. Bit <laughs> wouldn't it be wild if I was sometimes about to, when a hawk gets the flu, <laughs> you can tell it in their eyes. Wouldn't it be wild if it one if it was also bird related, or two if it was another owl with a broken leg? It was like two different <laughs> doctors broke owls' legs, and then no. it's the same owl, and he's just traveling around being their muse. <laughs> No, he did not have any, there was nothing um, avian about his discovery. Uh, so Niels uh, Liljequist was a Swedish uh, priest, healer, doctor. Okay. All around. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know his uh, schooling. The thing is he loved owls. Yeah. Um, I believe the other guy did go to medical school of some sort. Okay. I don't know about, uh, Niels may have too. You know, I'm not going to say he didn't. I, I, I will tell you that this is in some branches of alternative medicine, when you get into sort of like the founders and fathers, and I, I know that's gendered, but they're often men. I mean, there can be women. They're often men. But when you get into those stories, um, like you'll find this really intense, like everything about them. Um, this is one where like, I don't, I'm not finding a lot of easy giant tomes written in tribute to these particular people. This is a bit more of a, this sounds like one where even the the uh, true believers um, maybe. It gets a little <laughs> you start weird. You like a little, little bit gray. with the broken owl iridology stuff. Yeah, well, which is why, like, I found as many mentions where they're like, maybe that's not true. But either way, he definitely was into this. So he, he was treated with some medications. Uh, this um, may not be true, but that's not really mattered to us that much. That much. Well, I always like to I always like to preface that that you know there are lots of stories in this area that are somewhat apocryphal, um, but then when the whole practice isn't based yeah, on science, right. it's like yeah. yeah, we're all open to. Uh, so anyway, he was treated with some medications, quinine and iodine, and then he noticed that his eyes changed colors. According to him, his eyes were bluish, and then after he took these medicines, they were greenish with reddish spots. Probably not. I. Probably not. Yeah. I looked into that um, because, you know, we don't 
in terms of just straight quinine or straight iodine, we definitely use these things in medicine, like derivatives of them and, you know, medicines made including them and things. These are still medicinally relevant medicines. Um, but I would imagine we're talking about, you know, the 1800s, the, the doses and the methods by which he was taking these would not be the same as today, right? Like he would not be taking the same sorts of substances or using them the same way or with the same caution or monitoring. Yeah. And, and iodine particularly, you have to be very careful with. But anyway, I like, is it like back then, if you just took these things straight up, would you see changes in the eye color? Um, from what I could find with quinine, no. With iodine, it does, like, if you do a fundoscopic exam, meaning they're looking in your eye mm -hmm. when they take the ophthalmoscope and look in your eye. If you're looking, you can see changes there related to iodine. Like if somebody is taking a lot of iodine, okay. you can see some changes there. And so I don't think it's wild to posit that if you were taking that unmonitored, you may see some sort of difference. Um, I don't know about this blue to green with red spots stuff. Seems like a lot. Yeah. That seems like a lot. And then some of the, I couldn't, because I also found that there was this whole other area of the internet where people were suggesting that you do this intentionally to lighten the color of your eye, which is, yes, yeah, problematic a for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And also still, I couldn't tell that it, there was any truth to that. That also seemed fake. So <laughs> <laughs> um, the point layers is, I, don't, I, don't, I do not believe that taking iodine and quinine would turn your blue eyes green and red. Okay. There you go. That's that is what all that is my <laughs> my medical opinion. Please do not try it. Um, please do not take these substances on your own unregulated. You please don't need us. Please for that don't one, do that. Hey, um, let's cover all our bases. I saw one source that tried to link his story to vaccines. There was one mention where they were like he had a vaccine and then he took quinine and iodine and then his eyes changed colors. Do the math. But and like there was a smallpox vaccination around at this point. Mm -hmm. Like so there was a vaccine to get. Mm -hmm. But I have no not even his stories talk about that. So I don't know where that that was just sort of like I think people who are into alternative medicines and also hate vaccines were like, let's throw a vaccine into that story. Nobody knows. It's really hard to research these people. They bought they bought the owl stuff. We can just <laughs> see what sticks. So Anyway, both of these guys noticed changes in the eye, one in an owl, one in a human. They seemed to correlate with other things, one a broken leg, one with taking certain medicines. Um, and so they embark on their own individual investigations of the iris, um, basically by looking at the eyes of a lot of people. Yeah. That was kind of like, the that's the methodology of this. Where you guys so start. I see this connection, maybe I'm going to examine the eyes of as many people as I can and take a detailed health history mm -hmm. and find connections, okay. you know? Yes. So they both did this and drawing lots and lots of pictures, by the way, you can look up, um, I mean, so many diagrams of irises with like detailed, like clock face drawings for the different parts of the iris, you know, because it's can a circle. Can be clear for people that may not, like what, it, when you say the iris, what parts of the eyes? I'm talking about, the, you talking about the pigmented part of your eye. Okay. Um, the black so, part's the pupil, mm -hmm. and then it's the iris. Yes. And then no one, they have not yet come up with a name for the white part. You'll never know. Do you know? <laughs> it's the, well, there's the cornea and the sclera. Yeah, but the white jelly part, there's not a name for that. Well, right? there's, a, there's, there's the, the, the eye. vitreous humor in the aqueous humor and the there's lots right. of parts of Pupil, the eye, honey. Iris, white the, part. There, well, there's lots of parts of the eye. Pupil, iris, white. You're part. talking about the cornea and the sclera. I don't. 
the pl- like the it sleep depends where the, the white part. There's the part where sleep boogers there's are the made. Globe. <laughs> <laughs> there's the white part. There's the iris and the pupil. The important part is the colored part's the iris. The lids. Sorry, forgot. Yeah, lids. The That's lids. in there too. Um. Oh, and for me, the twinkle. That's in mine. Uh huh. It's not in everybody's. Uh-huh. But if you look at me, you see there's something special. Uh huh. Yeah, something yeah. unique. That's just the yeah. So anyway, you want a bottle. Okay. You know? Let's get back to the iris. That's the color. That's the colored part. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, they both start looking at these irises and they're drawing these pictures and guides. Uh, Pesley publishes um, discoveries in the realms of nature and the art of healing, uh, which included a chart of the iris um, and all of the different parts that it like connected to in the body in mm-hmm. 1880. That's when that work comes out. In the same period. Uh, Lil Jaquist is working on his own account. First, he publishes like just a short paper that's, that's titled Quinine and Iodine Change the Color of the Iris. I formerly had blue eyes. They are now a greenish color with reddish spots. <laughs> that's the, y'all, that's all in italics. That mm-hmm. Can you do it one more time? Quinine and Iodine Change the Color of the Iris. I formerly had blue eyes. They are now a greenish color with reddish spots. That's a, quite, a book spine, quite a book spine yes. there. And then he goes on to actually publish, like, his account of all the other eyes that he examined um, in 1890 with, like, a ton of pictures. I looked through this. A ton of pictures and diagrams of the iris. Um, and then in 1916, his, like, the diagnostics for, the diagnosis from the eye, iridology, his big tome in 1916. So, and of course— when you put these great works of science and medicine out into the world, you you become the giant on which others must stand. Exactly. So others will build upon this and grow this field in directions you have not yet predicted. What a um, relief. But before we talk about that, we've got to stop by the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off.
Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Her Majesty served Great Britain and the Commonwealth loyally for over 70 years. And while, of course, we feel a profound sadness, we must remember she lived a long life and died in such a way that I think many of us would want for ourselves. She was at home, surrounded by her family. And, of course... She was listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You're in a theater. The lights go down. You're about to get swept up by the characters and all their little details and interpersonal dramas. You look at them and think, that person is so obviously in love with their best friend. Wait, am I in love with my best friend? That character's mom is so overbearing. Why doesn't she just stand up to her? Oh, God, do I need to stand up to my own mother? If you've ever recognized yourself in a movie, then join me, Jordan Cruciola, for the podcast Feeling Seen. We've talked to author Susan Orlean on realizing her own marriage was falling apart after watching Adaptation, an adaptation of her own work, and comedian Hari Kondabolu on why Harold and Kumar was a depressingly important movie for Southeast Asians. So join me every Thursday for the Feeling Scene podcast here on Maximum Fun. It's funny to think that someone could read quinine and iodine change the color of the iris i formerly had blue eyes they are now a greenish color with reddish spots and think there's still more to do here there's still more meat on the bone but you're telling me that's what happened we've figured it out well part of what i imagine the the issue was moving forward like if you're going to build this into a new field of medicine and science you need something that's easy like i was looking through all of these diagrams and charts of irises and I imagine it was difficult to apply that. Like, okay, I see, I would have to, every time I would see an eye, I would have to flip through page upon page upon page. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, To, yeah. like, figure out all the different things about, it would take a long time. Every eye is different. That's why they use eye scanners mm-hmm. as security. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, So it would be a very difficult thing to put into practice. So what you needed was somebody to, like, put together a, like, a universal chart 
that would become like your dominant chart. Yes. That you can really use. a little bit. Take it out of the dark ages and really modernize it. And that's where Dr. Bernard Bernard Jensen comes in. He was already sort of this natural healing enthusiast. So he has a story, and a lot of people, there's actually another person we're going to talk about who has a similar story, um, where he had his own sort of health challenge when he was younger, um, and he found that, you know, modern medicine just couldn't. It just didn't do it. Like he could not find any solutions uh, among actual medical doctors, and so he turned to natural, alternative, nutritional, holistic. Mm-hmm. I always hate when holistic. The word holistic gets taken holistic away is a from great me. Great word. Holistic yeah, is a great word. It's so useful. Well, and I like to think that the kind of medicine I practice is holistic. I understand that it's more than just the wound or injury in front of me. I understand that there's a whole human who has a variety of of questions and concerns and mm-hmm. barriers they face and, and problems they need to work through. And, like, I understand that. And I feel like the word holistic has been taken from those of us who, you know, practice, I don't know. I, I think of it as just medicine, but I guess— Allopathic medicine? Yeah, or yeah. osteopathic medicine. I, yeah. They're in the same boat. But, like, we, it's been taken from us, and holistic has to include, but also, like, do you take into account all of these things that have never been proven to work but might work? And it's like, well, no, I don't take those into account. I take the whole person into account, and I don't know why the whole person has to include— Things that might pseudoscience. Things that don't work. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not. Th- then that's something. You've else. tried all the things I mean, that then, work. Why not? Then in that case, like be a spiritual advisor or a f- philosopher. Like mm. that, you can do those things. Like a that's life, fine. A life coach. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's lots of room for all of us to try to help people live better lives. But medicine is a thing. Be one of those people that consults on a on. Like law of attraction, you know, one of these like visualization teachers that teach you how to like harness the secret and and achieve all your dreams. Just do that. You, you go do that. I will not be seeking your um, expertise. We'll send myself. We'll, we'll send Ono Ross and Carrie after you. At least then you're <laughs> off our streets. <laughs> you know, we don't have to. We don't have to patrol you. That's not my particular um, right. preference, but just don't. Don't steal holistic that way. Yeah. What I do is holistic. I will stand on that. What I do is holistic, and I don't practice iridology. Um, so Dr. Bernard Jensen went looking for some some non-traditional sort of methods and and really like naturopathic practitioners is sort of where he found like a lot of his solutions for himself and botanicals and nutritional kinds of, you know, like food is medicine, sort of that kind of thing. Um, So he was a big, like, proponent and proprietor of a lot of these methods. You know, I mean, that, and that's, we're getting into the modern era where, like, it's not enough just to develop a new field of science or medicine or pseudoscience or pseudomedicine. You have to find a way to sell it, too. Yeah, right. You got to profit. He wrote more than 40 books on various natural healing methods. Um, he has, he had three sanitariums and one of them was called the Hidden Valley Health Ranch. (laughs) Listen, my methods are a little bit, (laughs) a little bit out there. Uh, I put this stuff on everything. That's the whole (laughs) bit. I love this. I love this ranch seasoning. I love ranch popcorn. I mean, ranch, it's really good. I I get it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it should be part 
of your diet, not your whole diet. Yes, it's yeah. uh, ranches is sometimes food for sure. <laughs> um, but it's, ta- I mean, I get it. It's tasty. Uh, his interest in iridology specifically. So when he became introduced to that, he was like, wow, okay, this, this is something I can really work with. Now this. Um, and he wrote books about iridology and he did lectures all over the U.S. He became like the U- the the United States iridology guy. Okay. Right? This was, this was our expert on our shores. Um, who and he went around and he taught it and he sold books on how to practice it and like um, you can't I mean you can be I don't know certified you you know you you are trained and then somebody gives you a piece of paper that says they you were trained in iridology right. um, and he did his own sort of interpretation of all of this information all these charts and made like the chart that is if you look up iridology charts you will probably stumble on his even if even if you don't put in bernard jensen iridology chart which of course i did cuz i wanted to see that one um you will find it a lot just by looking up what does an iridology chart look like um and you can see they're very pretty i could see why you would want one like um in the same way that i see a lot of people in like um, science and medicine or like in psychiatry, psychology, or or just people who like medical history will have like a phrenology head mm-hmm. in their office. I could see wanting one of these iridology charts next to it. Do you see how pretty it is? Like oh, all the colors. I'm trying to find it. Um, if you look up Bernard Jensen iridology chart, you can find a lot of images. Some of them are in black and white and those are interesting Whoa, too, cool. but the colorful ones I think they are look cool like, looking. Do you know what these remind me of? They look like the map for like a a starship or something like Mm -hmm. the the different layers that you'd see Um, yeah and it's just it's just like you would imagine it's a it's the circle like early epcot designs cool (laughs) it's the circle of the eyes of the iris and then it's like wedged into all the different um what they what they you know uh connect to in the body and like when i'm talking about what they connect to in the body so iridology it looks like the one I'm looking at, you know, it looks like exactly, I'll, I'll help you picture this at home. Imagine the wheel from Wheel of Fortune. Yes. That's what it, that's what these look like. Except instead of money you could win, there's things like locomotion or shoulder or spleen or whatever. And so they- Arm hand. So <laughs> you can look, and by looking at like slight changes in color in those areas, or sometimes you'll see little flecks of, of, other colors or things like that or a different pattern in the iris at that exact location, all of that would correspond with a specific organ system dysfunction or a specific disease or um, just something. We can we can learn something about the other parts of your body by looking at that in your eye. This is, this is like um, phrenology and reflexology. It's and the, yes. It's this, yeah. It's the, and I mean, it's seductive. It would be nice, right? What if we could do all diagnose? What if we could take because we know we can do this now, right? We can take really detailed pictures of your iris um, to track you. <laughs> so, like, why why couldn't we take a really detailed picture of your iris and then we could like print out a health profile for you and now you know everything that's wrong with you? That's a very seductive concept. Yeah. Um, were it true? Yeah, not real. No, but I mean, I can see why you would be drawn to that and want it to be true. Um, so anyway, he developed this chart that is the dominant one that was that has been used and built upon further um, around the same time that Bernard Jensen was kind of formalizing iridology in the U.S. Dorothy Hall uh, would go on to um, expand like why settle for just diagnoses and body parts connected to the eye? Why not personalities? 
types and characteristics. And so Dorothy Hall started to develop this kind of like, I can look into your eye and tell you things about who you are as a person, not Mm. just if your spleen has a problem, right? (laughs) Like, I I can tell you if you're very independent or I can tell you if you're very creative or whatever by looking in your eye, which I don't know. That really, I begin to call into question what is the— what is the benefit of that? Unless unless we're talking about like I want to use this as like some sort of therapeutic like therapy, like mm-hmm. mental health kind of. But I don't know that I mean I don't know that that has any relation at all. Yeah, yeah. Um so then we started to understand like the 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 field of iridology started to include this kind of like we can tell you things about who you are by looking in your eye. And I will say one time types people love that. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think I think that made it a lot more attractive because then you see um, like this development of uh, clinical iridology and applied iridology, especially by uh, Harry Wolf. Why does who, applied always mean faker? <laughs> well, and it shouldn't. Is, applied means you're taking something and like that's using like it for gives, something. You're applying like applied it. Gives I know. Sociology. It's like apply stop messing up words applied means useful please <laughs> so this and it, and this will take you both the, as this field expanded iridology into the past and the future is the way i think about it because first of all it built on this idea that we can tell what's wrong with you from your eyes and we can tell what you're like from your eyes to we can tell what happened to you in the past from looking in your eyes so we can look in your eyes and see like past trauma long-term stress and and not just like the things that have happened to you but how you personally have adapted and dealt with that and the changes in the eye related to that response i will say this you know what i will say this to as somebody who has now heard about a lot of these iridology shows a real lack of discipline you gotta <laughs> hand it to those fr- phrenology people and the reflexology people they put out the chart and they said listen can't do everything but if you squeeze this toe, your kidneys will be fixed. <laughs> but that's it. Like, it can't tell you about your personality. It does have limits. It's just if you tickle your heel, it makes you barf. And this, and this, uh, <laughs> like, this field takes us into behavioral iridology. So, like, first of all, we have applied <laughs> iridology. And by the way, with applied iridology, again, it the, the idea is, like, um, we can figure things out about you from reading your eye. And I'm certain you would pay someone to do this, right? Like you'd go to a practitioner and pay. Insurance is not going to cover this. I'm just going to say. I haven't looked into every insurance plan. I, insurance yeah, doesn't cover this. Um, not, let's hope not. So you go, to, you go to an iridologist. You pay them to tell you about your eye. And then probably from what I can tell, because I kept trying to find like, but what are they going to tell you to do? Like what's the cure? What's the treatment? Oh, yeah. And what they're, what a lot of, there's a lot of overlap with a lot of these practitioners with other again, alternative medicine fields. And so, like, they may tell you you need certain supplements, um, homeopathic remedies, natural herbal botanical kinds of things, chiropractic work. There were a lot of work with, like, body work like that. Like, I can adjust you to fix that. Mm. Like, there was a lot of overlap between this and then I also do these other 10 things that can fix the things that I found when I did the iridology on you. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. It's the check engine light of the human body. Yes, exactly. We use this to tell you what what you need to do, and then we also happen to be able to provide a range of services that could fix the problem. Now, I will say I use a similar technique for you because I need to look in your eyes to be able to tell what I should do in a given situation. Right. Well, because when I'm wearing sunglasses, that's hard for you. 
Yes, I do. You find that very challenging. Hey, eventually I just admitted it. And honestly, things have been a lot better since I admitted to Sydney that I can't tell how she feels if she's wearing sunglasses. And if she's going to talk to me, she has to take them off because yes. I can't tell. And I take them off and our conversations go better. Yes. You, I, well, you always think I'm upset when I'm wearing sunglasses. I can't. I, I, I don't know, know why your saying. default is whatever's hiding under those sunglasses, it's anger. I need all the clues, <laughs> folks. I'm just barely hanging on there. I understand what, how people are feeling. I need all the clues. You can't withhold it from me. <laughs> but again, like that's not... You are not doing that in a pseudoscientific way. No, it's scientific. <laughs> it's, it has taken me 16 years to, to create this, uh, my chart. <laughs> so, I no, it is all scientific. Time so, tested. So, th- from this, and there's a whole, I was, I, I you move into behavioral iridology, um, which Jim Vergus is the one who has developed this field. And we're moving into modern times, by the way, now. Now, we this stuff is still out there. These people are still alive and practicing and, um selling products related to these sorts of areas. Mm. Um, But behavioral iridology is like uh, we can tell you very personal things about you um, and give you guidance, not just for like medicinal purposes, but for like mental and spiritual well-being. Perfect. um, Based on things that we can see in your eyes. And you can go and like – you can learn how to take photos of your eyes so that you can send them Ooh. to them and they can, I, I mean, again, and you have to pay them to read these things, but like, and there's all kinds of diagrams and pictures about what we can tell. There's specific areas. I thought it was interesting. I was looking at through this website about behavioral iridology and there's a whole um, section on fertility. Mm-hmm. So I don't even want to, I can't go down that road right now. That's just too much for me. Um, but anyway, that so behavioral iridology is a field you can go that has branched off of this. Um, he, uh, by the way, feels that like generally speaking, everybody's iris puts them into two types. There are two types of iris people. Um, there's a thinking type and you have burnt orange or dark brown spots in your iris. Um, and then there's an emotional uh, type of iris and you have rounded openings in your iris. Okay. And the thinking type has like a left brain sort of mentality. Okay. And the other one, the emotional iris is a right brain kind of. Yeah, I love that. Thing. That's all that yeah. all sounds good to me. Yeah. It's just but it's it's just like it is it is all these same things we use to predict people's personality and behaviors and like how they'll react to things without having like great research for that. Yeah. Um it's made up. And then uh finally of course where it all comes back around uh I was reading some work from John Andrews who also is doing a lot of and when I say studies please remember that a lot of studies in this kinds of in these kinds of practices are not what we would consider rigorous scientific studies. They often don't have a control group. Meaning, like, a bunch of people tried something and then they asked them if they thought it worked. Um, They don't have, like, another group who didn't try it and see if, you know, are they fine too. Um, They're very small. They could be done solely on people who sought out the practice to begin with, which is a bias in a selection sample, you know. If you are someone who is predisposed to seeking alternative healing methods, you are also predisposed to believing that they are working, Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're spending money on them. Yes. Um, so anyway, uh, John Andrews has expanded this work 
to talk about vaccination reactions. Yes, we got there, folks. And children. Confetti. Um, and like basically trying to say that there's immune issues that you can see in the eye because of vaccines. Um, there's no, absolutely no evidence for any of that. That is absolutely no th- nothing to worry about when it comes to vaccination um, because the practice upon which that is built, iridology, has never been scientifically validated. So that's where, that's where we end with this. There have been meta-analysis done of studies that have been published on um, iridology through the years and uh, basically to look and say, is this something that works? Um, is there research that supports it? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, is, what is our whole of information on iridology? And after looking through dozens and dozens of studies, uh, there were like 77. This was published in the year 2000. So this is an older study, but you're not going to find a lot of meta-analysis on mm-hmm. iridology. Um, they looked through like 77 publications from all over the world They only found four at the end of the day that actually had a controlled, masked approach to it. So, like, something where you could tell something from it. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody, Mm -hmm. the participants didn't know who was in what group and all this different stuff, right? Right. And in all four of those, they found absolutely no evidence that someone practicing neurology could tell anything from a person's eye outside of random chance. Mm. All right. So, there is no... There seems is like no evidence that iridology like started there and just read a very short episode. Well, I feel like you all knew where we were headed. There's no evidence at all that iridology works. Um, like a lot of things, looking in your eye is not harmful, right? Somebody looking at your eye mm. is not a risk. Unless the you're problem, <laughs> the problem is one: did you go do that instead of seeking out actual medical advice? At which point you've put yourself at risk. Mm-hmm. Two: there's a financial risk. You're wasting your money yeah, yeah. because there's no evidence that this works. And three, if the person who's practicing iridology is also practicing other alternative medicines, they may recommend to you things that are harmful. Because as we've talked about a lot on this show, just because something is quote-unquote natural doesn't mean it's safe for you to put in your human body. It can have lots of side effects or direct effects um, that can be harmful to you or interact with other medicines or make a problem worse than it already was. Um, on top of the fact that you're not actually getting treated for whatever was wrong to begin with. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I would not recommend seeking iridology. Um, they, they would need to do way more studies, really rigorous clinical trials to show any sort of impact of this whatsoever. Um, and I don't, I don't really see that happening. Uh, all that being said, one time I was getting my eyes checked because I wear contacts and glasses and I have to do that regularly. And the ophthalmologist told me that he could tell I like Dr. Pepper. And she did. And I do love Dr. Pepper. So, okay, just take that for what it is. We have two opposing sides. (laughs) There's two different – we're letting you choose this week on Sawbones, either all that other stuff or this one time you knew about Dr. Pepper. So I don't know. You tell me. I, in I don't retrospect, know. I feel Case like closed question mark. Because like I don't think breath can smell like Dr Pepper, but I also used to frequently use Dr Pepper chapstick, so I feel like that may have played a role. Mm, and you were holding a Dr Pepper at the time. I don't know. There had to have been something. There was. Some, I do. I do not believe. <sighs> I just realized I did the chair slap. I did the chair slap and scoot to end the episode too. I'm ready yeah. to leave the episode. Thank you so much for li- <laughs> a public service announcement. Don't forget to go get your uh, flu shot. Yes. Um, it's get your flu a good shot. One. It's a good one this year. Real smooth. And uh, if you haven't gotten your 
you know, they call it bivalent. The most recent COVID booster. There you go. The one a lot of people think of it as the one that will protect you against Omicron and related. We should do. We should do like a. We've uh, just talking to people lately. So many people don't know when they can get it. Like, there's a lot. Seems to be a lot of questions about like when I had COVID last, and you know, is it safe for me to get it now, or when's like the best time for me to get it? Like, um, check the C- How about this? Check the CDC website. They have really clear, easy to follow guidelines. If you just type in COVID vaccination or COVID booster, um, it is really easy to follow. You know, generally speaking, if you don't currently have COVID. You probably do, unless you got your last booster fairly recently. So check the timeframes. Look and see, has it been a couple months since your last booster? You probably do. Um, are you, Did you have COVID, but you're out of the quarantine period and you're now fine? You probably do. But check the CDC. They have really clear to follow guidelines. They have a calculator. They have a little thing where you can plug in information about your last doses and current stuff, and it will tell you, like, yes, go get a booster, or no, don't. Go, you don't need one. Yeah, knock them out at the same time. Yep, Why not? no problem. Um, that is, uh, that's going to do it for us for this week. Thanks to taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thanks to you for listening. It's going to do it for us. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.